Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. This is Breezy from Studio Breezy with Mix and Toby and Matthew and special guest. Did you just put me in like the same category as your two dogs? Oh, no, they're way higher than you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, buddy. These are my children. And Jeremy Alba. Hello. Hey, Hey, Jeremy. Welcome back. Uh, Good to be here. I mean, you haven't actually gone anywhere, but we haven't had you on the pod in a minute. I haven't been here. Yeah, first time, in, fun? first time in Studio Breezy. Yeah, yeah studio, oh, studio Breezy. I was yeah. hoping you'd been out of town somewhere fun. No, no, no fun. <laughs> Anything except for college looking for the daughter? Uh, quick trip to Missouri for Thanksgiving-ish thing, I guess. We did it the weekend before, so that was different Got and any, fun. Honestly, that's good for travel. It was great for travel. Yeah. Got any hot takes on uh, Thanksgiving food, good and bad? Not um, necessarily what you ate, but like, you know, people love sweet potatoes or they love mashed potatoes. You got anything that you uh, either I, hate or absolutely love? Um, I'm a mac and cheese guy, but I don't think oh, it's yeah. a Thanksgiving dish. Oh, it should be though. Yeah, no, I don't think so. It, it should be standardized so? as, as mac and che- yeah as Thanksgiving food for sure. And maybe it's because we didn't have it as a kid growing up. It was not on our table for Thanksgiving, probably because we ate it six days a week as kids <laughs> <laughs> with hot dogs cut up in it, without hot dogs cut up in it. Love that. Um, went to college, figured out you could put tuna in mac and cheese, no barbecue sauce. Ooh, so that was. And you're a you're a guy who likes canned fish, fish out of a can, tuna. Only tuna. That's the only one. Somebody was somebody was trying to get somebody was trying to get some. We had some um, Eastern European guys from they were from Slovakia, I think, and they were staying at uh, at one of my Airbnbs. And somebody was trying to get one of the tuna can or the cans of some sort of fish that they eat in. So I wish I didn't know. I'd never I didn't recognize it. They're like, we're gonna get this for Jeremy. Jeremy likes this. No. Just a tuna. So they must have been playing a joke, trying to play a joke on you. Clam clam chowder and tuna. I'm a seafood guy, but when it comes to cans and seafood, that's about my limit. That's fair. Just tuna. See, I'm a mashed potatoes guy. I think think all potatoes are good, and I think mashed potatoes are especially good. Yep. I want, as far as Thanksgiving food, like, I like turkey, and I like a deep-fried turkey. Now that that's a thing, like, or smoked turkey, those two things are obviously better than whatever we dumb things we did with them in ovens as... As people, no, I'm not like criticizing anybody. I'm just saying that we've taken it to a new level now. But I could take it or leave it compared to like mashed potatoes. I especially enjoy my turkey uh, cooking experience, where I get a turkey once a year from work, and you cook it a year later, and it's it's already it's already co- I get it already cooked. We're it's lucky already we cooked get, to me. We're lucky we didn't all get food poisoning at the uh, <laughs> at the play, last playoff game because Matthew cooked a year old turkey for the tailgate, and it was delicious. I didn't try it. I was scared so of food it, poisoning. All, all, all of what happened. Nobody, nobody it, got sick. It's already cooked. I'd put it, I take it, take it home, put it in the freezer. It stays in the freezer for a year. I, I bring it, I bring it out. It was the only reason he cooked Thought. it is because it was time for him to get a new one. Yeah, that's true. That's actually true. The The tailgate was in, in part an excuse just to cook the turkey. It was also <laughs> a lovely time. It was also a lovely time. True. Uh, did your family, Matthew, did you eat with your family this year? Uh, my parents went to Texas to see my brother, mm. uh, and, and his two kids, and I stayed behind, uh, with Maddie's family. Did you have to do one of those, uh, go around the table, say what you're thankful for things? Yeah. 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 I did. I hate that. <laughs> we did not have that this year. It was kind of a nice break. Oh, thank God. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, I can do it. Like I, but I mean, obviously I like to hear, listen to myself talk. I'm a guy on a podcast, but like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's just weird to be put on the spot and like say what you're thinking. Then, then you have to try to one up the person before you or, com- I mean, it is fun if your sister goes after you cause you can like completely steal her thunder. Uh, <laughs> you, but like, you know, other than that, it's not. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure. It is a lot. So I was with her family and I was just like, I'm, I'm thankful for this one pointing to her. 
and, oh. and kept, kept, kept it short and sweet. And like, number one, it's true. And number two, smart Pander, like, pandering always works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hashtag lobbyist. One in Rome. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jeremy, we have a, um, a, a direct question and I can tell you why we asked this, but, um, what was the first soccer game you watched after the loss to Michigan stars? Ooh. When did Liverpool play next? <laughs> that weekend? I don't remember. I don't th- uh, Matthew may know. I don't. I don't remember exactly. It was a while. Yeah, it was a while. If it was anything, it would have been that weekend. Because we played Sunday night, so Liverpool right. would have already played. I think. Yeah, it would have not been until the next weekend. Whatever it was, maybe it was a league that shall not be mentioned playoff game or Liverpool game, but it was Liverpool, definitely Liverpool played on. Uh, they played on Tuesday nope. right afterwards nope. in the Champions League. Oh, and then it was uh, it was the Tottenham game at uh, at yes. Party Foul that I yep. saw you at. Yep, that would that would be it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the reason we asked is because Rod mentioned that he didn't even watch a single soccer game for like an entire week. Because yeah. that's how I knew I was really sad. Yeah, yeah. or something yeah. of that. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but yeah, I don't think I watched anything until the the Spurs game, the Spurs Liverpool game that weekend. Like a week later, I watched, and then it was like a like a USL Championship playoff game. I think San Antonio's. Oh, we can, we can say USL. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we, we can. Yep. We can say. Okay. Just want to make sure this isn't the other the other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, it took a, that one took a while. Um, yeah, and and again, not so much because of the performance or, you know, um, who we lost to or anything like that. It was just it was the end, right? It's yeah. The, there's finality there, and also because the way things were setting up to <clears throat> potentially have a game at home. Which would have been huge after not having a playoff game and then having a semi and then having a potential after Cal United lost of having the final at home, but it didn't happen and you know, we moved on. It just didn't I didn't move on by Tuesday, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that was that was a hard one, but also uh, thank God they scored early. <laughs> it was way better like, to, if, to give mean, up just, that goal in the in the fifty yeah. third minute as opposed to the like the eighty eighth. Eighty seventh, yeah. True. I would agree. Because yep. as soon as they scored, I just went shit. Yep. Well, that was that was I it. mean like and I and I had like a little bit of hope, right? But then it meant like I was just, we were just hoping because we knew how they were going to set up, knew how they were going to fend. And then it's like, well, now we just got to get one back so that we can go to penalties because the chances of us getting two are are very diminished with how they're going to defend. And it was just, you know, it was easy. It was easy to see the writing on the wall and go, well, shit. It was a good season. Yeah, <laughs> I I think uh, I don't know if this will ever ever like be be widely available but i turned i turned to johnny because he was filming us in the in the in 109 uh not it, it wasn't like immediately when the goal was scored but it was not long after that i, I think i just like turned straight to the camera and was just like well well, well and, and, and like we talked a lot <laughs> this right one's be- this one's probably done <laughs> we talked a lot right before that like trying to say out loud like bracing ourselves like sometimes you get playoffed mm-hmm. and we got playoffed like, yeah yeah we, you know, that the playoffs are a crapshoot. It's the reason they're fun because every team has hope. Right. And I mean, you look at Michigan Stars went and won an Easter title. Like, you, no one's, I don't think anybody can make a genuine claim they were the best team in the league this year, but it's not about being the best team in the league in American sports for whatever reason. It's about winning the playoffs. It's about, right. Yep. And like, sometimes you win the playoffs because you have momentum. Yeah. Sometimes you win the playoffs because you're set up for it, which I would say which Michigan was very much set up for. Absolutely. And, Credit to them. That's a system that we have, and and they're um, and they're a good team. Like they mm-hmm. do what they do well. Right. But like you saw over the season, we were the 
better team. Maybe not just against them, but in general across the league, like our record was better. Yep. There's a reason we were the two seed. It's it's also I mean like so the World Cup's going on right now, mm-hmm. and we've seen multiple examples in, in in some drastic forms of like the better team does not always win. Yeah, look at look at Germany. I mean, like you've got Argentina and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that yeah. example. You've got the you've got the Canada Belgium example. Like sometimes you just are you're the better team. And you okay, don't win. you didn't have to throw in Canada being the better team and, <laughs> as an example. You dirty Canuck. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, you get. And that's what makes the World Cup cool. Is like looking at what. That's what makes single elimination anything cool. Fun right. makes it fun. fun and and also and also terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna skip skip ahead. Do you have a high moment, a best moment, and a worst moment, or a high moment and a low moment for the both the men's and the women's seasons? I want to divide them up, and and you can stall a little bit if you want. Matthew and I to kind of give ours our highs and our low moments. Um, and I'll tell you, my my high moment for the season was beating Memphis in the Open Cup, um, because of how we did, because we just came out on fucking fire, and. That game, and especially as the season went on, that win looked and felt much better. Yeah, Memphis was incredibly as good. As Memphis this year. State, like I didn't think Memphis was that good. Like on the night, I was so surprised and so happy. Like I thought we could do it, but like to do it like like we did was just like whoa. And then like the longer the season went on, the longer Memphis State good. It was just like that's such a statement win. And then the low moment was obviously losing in the um, in the semifinal. Like that was, I mean, it just was what it was. But that was always going to be either the highest moment or the lowest moment, depending on, uh, well, depending on if we won the final, obviously, after that. Yeah, I mean, like, there's obviously Memphis for me. There was San Diego away. And really, that entire that entire California trip was just so good. To be out there with people, uh, to, to go to those games, you know, the, the Cal United game, you know, sucked because we gave up two goals and ended up drawing that game. But it was just such a fun... Going to Cal United for us is always fun. Like, we've... That's our road trip. That's our that's our, number one. That's our that's road actually, trip. That's our bro trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Done it four times or three times. Three times now, yeah. and it's it's just a great it's a great road trip. It's a good environment. You know, a really tough team to play against. So you know, the guys are always up for it because it's Cal United, and you know, getting jumping out in front, getting that second goal. You know, and and then like you know, obviously they're a great team. They came back, and then you know, just fighting fighting for the point. And then coming out to Cal- uh, to San Diego and just, you know, we, we weren't great in that first half, but the comeback, the way we played in the second half, it felt like we finally put everything that Rod had been talking about throughout the season, you know, playing good football, playing it well, controlling, dominating a game. It finally came in. In the second half of the Albion In the second game. half of the Albion game. Yeah. Road wins are unbelievable, but there's nothing like a good road tie. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but you sound just like Matthew. Oh man! Yeah. Like just, oh yeah. Two sickos on the couch over here. Yeah, yeah. Sitting diagonal from each other, so we're okay. But there's, um, <laughs> yeah, there's just something about that, like, you know, to, like you said, to see the fight to get yeah. the result. Yeah. And, 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 and we saw, we've seen that now. The last two times we went to Cal United away, uh, very, very different scenarios, very different teams. But like, you know, going, going, giving up two goals. Uh, it, against Cal United in a row, and then like then fighting to hold on to the tie, it feels a lot different than uh, the kind of like the, the kind of steal that we got out there in uh, on my birthday in twenty in twenty twenty one. You know, with like you know, <laughs> stop the steal. Oh, sorry, <laughs> wrong podcast. Um, uh, but but like you know, just they it it, it just feel it feels so good to like get something out of a game. Sometimes that maybe you should have gotten more out, but then maybe you also could have. 
on another day could have easily lost. I love I love a good road 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 points no matter how they come and no matter what they are, are good. Matthew, before we let Jeremy go, do you have any um any uh, women's highs and lows? Pally did nothing wrong. Damn right. That went, that win <laughs> that win at home. Um, it's kind of easy to pick because it was our only win. But like that was the that was the high the high moment. Like playing with uh like a player down for seventy minutes or whatever it was. It was calm down. It was it sixty was like, minutes. It was forty nine. Was it in the second half she got? No, first no, it's on the first half, right? Yeah. Into the first half. Yeah. yeah. I remember it being a listen, in my mind it was like the, it was like the sixteenth minute and we battled back for the whole game. Just fought and scrapped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we did. We did. Um, my my only regret about that is that I was not there to actually like see it live. Uh so I, if I had to say a, a different one that I was there for, uh the Nashville away game for the like for the first game back was was incredible, even though we got absolutely molly whopped. Uh the the one nil game that we fought uh, away to Knoxville uh, in the regular season. That was, I mean, it was, it was a crushing loss, you know, getting scored on like the 89th minute or whatever it was. But like, <laughs> that was the, cause like we were, we were like, let's be honest. Like, we were not, we were not good throughout the season. And like we had, we'd gotten hammered by, by uh, TN force, not terribly long before that away game. And then going up there, changing the formation to the back three, the fight that the girls had, it was just, it was such a good, it was such a great performance for that group. And we, I think we were unlucky not even to win that game. Uh, and it, and it, like, it just gave me a lot of... Yeah, to concede in the 87th minute. Was, yeah, that, that sucked. But like it, it, the, way they, the way they played was, was really awesome uh, to, to be there for and to cheer them on for. And, and I, I mean, we're CFC fans. Like Sometimes the results don't go your way. <laughs> I think yeah. we're, all, we're all a little bit used to that. So it's it's for me it's a, a loft of times and I and I'm I'm getting older now and I'm reminding myself more often that like it's about the journey it's about the experience sometimes more than results that's what's helping me sleeps at night sounds like that should be written on a plaque on a wall for gonna write it on my tombstone is what you're gonna do <laughs> I, I think the low moment for me was probably the three nothing thrashing at home by I think it was TN Force yeah I think it was the Force. Like it could have been way worse if Carolina Johnson hadn't made like three one-on-one saves. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. And again, I went into the playoff game like feeling like, oh, okay. Well, we're probably going to lose this playoff game because like, but I thought I had hope in that in that. that you had game. hope because of the one-nil game beforehand, right? I had home. I had hope <laughs> in that one. Uh, but yeah, Jeremy, do you have particular highs and lows? I would say for the women's team, the high would be the opposite of Matthews. I think it was the first game. Just the fact that you know we were back. We did it the right way to see the players get off the get off on a bus, and then you know, um, at the end of the game when you know they were turning around, going, "Are these people going to come to all of the away games?" And yeah, and and the home games, like, "Yep, you'll you're going to have support." We told you, so that was a really special moment because we said all along that you know we were going to bring the women's team back when we could do it the right way, and I think we did that. Um, then you know, the low point would probably be. Um, just the fact that we had such a, a great result in that uh, that win at home, but would have liked to seen a little bit more support. If I'm being honest, out there, <clears throat> you know, the other games we had a Friday night game, which was tough. Wednesday, where we did get slacked by Tennessee Force, you know, that was a game. If you recall, we had to move back because of the heat, oh, so we yeah. pushed back to like a eight o'clock kick or something. Um, so, in hindsight, I'm glad that the schedule worked out the way it did to get the support that we had because it was great. But for the first home game back, I thought we might have gotten a little bit more. 
Um, but that comes back to the club. You know, we got to see if we can keep pushing, keep promoting, um, and keep letting people know how important that piece is to the overall organization and to the overall club. So, um, all in all, a good year. Learned some things. Learned a lot of things. Not some things. Learned a lot of things. But I think we also really established that if somebody is willing to make Chattanooga their home for the summer, they can have a really productive, um, you know, two months. It's a man, it's a short season. <laughs> you know, two month uh, window and and really go back and and um, you know perform at their college at their college team if they're a college player and if they're not a college player, which you know we had one um, or a couple actually that were just looking to play the game that they love so much and play it in front of people, play it the, with proper support, and I think that was huge. So all in all, I think those would be my two moments for them on the men's side. I would say the Memphis game is hard to beat, you know, in terms of a high, but I would say when we got whatever phrase you use, Molly whopped by Atlanta United was also high point because they took us for real, you know, and I don't know if this has been mentioned and I don't know if I should mention it, but I will. We were there having some meetings with Atlanta United the day of the game and we, you know, they're showing us around the facility, the training facility and they knocked on the door and it was the uh, technical staff room. And we walked in and go, hey, Chattanooga FC is here. We're just showing them around. And all of a sudden, laptops got closed. Uh, whiteboards got covered. And it was like, oh, they really have a scout on us, for real. So they knew what was going on. Then we go upstairs to eat lunch with uh, some members of the staff, front office and technical staff, and we're up there eating lunch. And they got these three big TVs in the lunchroom. One of them had some random, maybe it was a Liga MX game or something on. And then they had our game, our previous game against Memphis, on loop. It might even have been the Valley United game because we played them before. Yeah. Right. And it was just, and they had that on. And then the other thing was the schedule for the day, like what time the kick around was at Kennesaw and blah, 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 and all that. So that was a high for me in the sense that an MLS team took us for real, took us serious. And obviously the results showed that they did, but they didn't just pass it off as, oh, we got to get through this game. I mean, they knew they were up for a unique challenge because I think they had an idea that Rod was not going to sit in and play, you know, five four one, or just try to skate by with a result. He was going to play his brand of football, our brand of football, and they were prepared for it. And um, I took that as a high point. Low point, no question, has to be dropping that that semifinal at home. I think that goes without saying. I think it was just it was tough, yeah, and you know, hard to have real closure as well, just because of the at the end of it, you know, rain and you know, just disappointment. But it was a tough one, so. Um, I I picked two losses for high <laughs> and low. Man, something's going on. Here, I'd like so. to I'd like to adjust my high point slightly, and it's to write this moment of the thought in my head of uh, the Atlanta United coaching staff having to like suffer through eleven sports <laughs> to watch us play at Valley United First with all, sometimes is- Spanish, sometimes English commentating. <laughs> With like players that you can't actually see who were fully who zo- were doing what, fully zoomed all the way out. <laughs> that is the thought. The thought in my head right then was just magnificent. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, first of all, it is forever my kuju. Uh, it, is, it is not eleven sports. They don't get any. Uh, well, they just got bought, so it'll be somebody different. But Dazone, alleged Dazone. And look, Dazone's like big. They have the they have the Serie A rights in Italy, like or the Champions League rights in Italy. I think it's Serie A. No, it's Serie A rights. Um, like it's they're big. They have other rights too, but like they're they're big. I'm looking forward to them finding a way to like fuck it up a little bit more, just a little uh, bit more I mean, than it was. It would be just slightly less than. I mean, eleven was slightly better than my kuju, but like you know, 
It's like one less turd when there's three turds. Um, <laughs> still two turds. Uh, what was it like to conduct two coaching searches in the same year? That was it was challenging. Um, unfortunately, I've had to do a handful of coaching searches in my career in this role, not just here, but in St. Louis. So um, you kind of get used to it and you get better as you go along in terms of that. But it was exhausting. And especially with the, and I said it before, so it's no secret, but especially with the women's search. I mean, obviously, everything that's gone on in our uh, women's football, you know, society culture has made those. Um, you know, searches and those discussions and those conversations just that much more rigorous in terms of making sure we're providing an environment um, where players are safe, which is crazy to say, but that's the reality. So it took a little bit of time um, with that one. The men's one was a little bit quicker. Um, also just because, you know, way, you know, that things occurred and, and all that stuff. But um, it was hopefully something I don't have to go through again. Uh you know, is two in one year. That would, that would be tough. But um, you know, really, really happy with how everything turned out and in the direction that we're going. Do you do you take anything that you can share from those two coaching searches? I'm sure they're all different. But like going forward, is there like one thing I'm not going to do is, or one thing I'm you know super glad that we did is, um, just be thorough and and really have conversations with a lot of different people. You know, there were, especially on the on the women's search, there were a few candidates and conversations that had we not, you know, and, and nothing illegal or nothing that would have, you know, put the club in a bad spot or our players in a bad spot. But we just dug a little bit deeper. And I think the biggest thing that we found is by including um, a handful of more people in in the search process is that we really found some good cultural fits. And I think that's really important. Um, so, you know, some of the board that was able to have conversations with Rod able to have conversations with Randy really just kind of, you know, shored up that culturally we found the right fits and, you know, the football is, everybody's got a different opinion there, right? I mean, three of us got different opinions about the games today if we wanted Mm -hmm. to go into those. So, um, but in terms of the type of people that we're able to get, just, you know, getting some input from some more people was very beneficial. Yeah. I I don't know what you're talking about though, when it comes to uh, the way football is supposed to be played because... Because Matthew's now a full Rod Truther. <laughs> That's like po- a, possibly even the most annoying thing I, of the last year. He gets I, he gets really mad now when the goalkeeper in an international game clears it when they could clearly just pass it out to the wing when it's like well and I'm not talking like a, a wild pass like right. a pass that you know anybody could hit but they're just not thinking about it. He gets upset and previously he was like he applauds like a good clearance. So <laughs> I also noticed the uh, following his winning bumper sticker was gone off your car. Is that yeah? I know. Somebody uh, take did you take that off or somebody steal it? So absolutely it's still there. Okay. And I want to point out he, that remo- he removed it. At the uh <laughs> at the the US the US Wales game at the very, very end where Kellen Acosta makes that foul oh, yeah. on Gareth Bale to make sure that Bale save, doesn't have a chance to save the World Cup for the US. Right. Yeah. 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 Correct. Yeah. Uh, and and Breezy's standing in the back of of, uh, of Tailgate, so he, he knows what happened there. I'm in the front row, like at a, one of the tables. Kellen Acosta like just bear hugs the guy down. And I just stood up and started applauding. And to be fair, everybody went crazy about that because we were all like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, thank God. Yeah, that's why Kellen was Fal- there. Fouling is still winning. He could have followed yeah. his runner on the goal, but and anyway. And I, I want to point out like, that like, just because we play with possession, just because we play try to play beautiful football and like really you know be the protagonist, take the game to other teams, like Pep's teams were also like the best at fouling and still are. So... 
there's always a place for for smart fouling in football. He's been fully converted. He's just <laughs> he's just really trying to hedge. <laughs> uh, Perfect. Just jumping around here from thing to thing. Why does the WPSL act like it's high school soccer and do rolling subs? <laughs> my gut, and I don't know 100%, but my feeling is because um, just protecting the college players in the summer is, you know, I think there's, you know, some concern that, you know, there's some programs that don't let their players, male or female, go play in the summer. You know, they keep them on campus, in the weight room, you know, summer school, weights, working out, working camps, and they don't get a chance to really become better footballers. Now, not every program is that way, but I think a big part of it is that there was a time period, and I don't think CFC was guilty of this as an amateur club, And um, but there definitely were some that just drove those players into the ground in the summer months to win, right? Because they needed to win to have the big crowds. They needed to win to sustain their business model, whatever it was. So some of these college players went back, you know, banged up, bruised, battered, whatever, because they were just mishandled. So I think especially on the on the women's side where the depth isn't necessarily as deep, you know, if a Division One school has four players, you know, get injured in the summer months, you know, that's a big that's a big hole to fill that, you know, they have to. Like, um, well, Bill's team, West Florida this year, had like two or three guys with knee injuries during the summer months. Now, he still made the tournament, you know, he... I was going to say, they made it all the way to, I think, to the conference final. And, and got into the NCAAs, and so they were able to, you know, get through that adversity of those injuries, where on the women's side... Not every program is going to be able to do that. So I think it goes back to just making sure the players aren't getting fried out, um, probably mentally as well um, for some of them. So could it be done better and limited entry? So similar to the college rules, you know, out for the half, out for the half in the first one, one reentry in the second. I personally would be in favor of that, especially if we're trying to prepare players for the college season, why not have them play within the college substitution rules? Yeah. Um, and if you're trying to prepare players for a professional route as well. So uh, I don't know if that's something that ever gets brought up. We haven't been to a WPSL AGM. That's not true. There was a um, a virtual one virtual one last year. but We all know how those virtual meetings yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, turn your camera off and work on everything else. Um, so maybe it gets brought up this year. We'll see. But that would be my gut. Um, and it's like anything. It can be abused or it can be used the right way. If it's used the right way, it makes sense. But you can also abuse it and kill a game off. And Well, um, we saw we saw a team in, in our conference do that. Uh, Bree- Breezy is looking at me like he's about ready to come out of his skin. Makes Well, it kind of made me mad that we didn't take advantage of it. Uh, because North Alabama or, or Alabama. Alabama FC. One of the two Alabama teams um, did it like just, I mean, every there's three subs every five minutes right? throughout the whole. And so it broke up the game. And it also like they had fresh legs just constantly, like so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, uh, by the way, but I think if it's a thing, like we should do it. <laughs> I want to, I want to win. And like, <laughs> if, if they're going to let you cheat, like cheat. Yeah. <laughs> Breeze yeah. is about to start up his own factory so he can import some talent too. Darn right. I'm going to go the George Yunchai model. Uh, what on earth has gone wrong with your favorite English club, Liverpool? I think every club goes through those moments, right, where it just doesn't, it just doesn't click. And I think you know losing uh, my. And again, I have to say this: when I go watch Liverpool, I do not watch it from a tactical. I think I've said this on this podcast. Um, I don't watch it from a tactical standpoint. I go watch it as a supporter, as a fan. Mm-hmm. So I just go and enjoy and watch and have fun. And I'm pissed when we lose, and I'm excited when we win. And it either makes or breaks 
part of my Saturday. I don't. I used to let it ruin my whole day, but I don't anymore. <laughs> Hell yeah, um, progress. Yeah, we're, progress. Yeah, we're, we're all working teach, on yeah. that. Teach, teach me how to do that for CFC games, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's a different story. Um, so I think it's um, just you're going through those moments. I mean, you lose Mane, and that's a big one. And some other guys have underperformed, some injuries. Early on in the season, I would say that I was a little bit worried that it was the Klopp effect. You know, this is year whatever. That, Seven. Seven, you know, yeah. And that has been a little bit of chaos for him and the clubs that he's been at. I just started reading his book last night, or not his book, but um, Bring the Noise. Um, it's a biography about him. And I would say, based on our on our results, his mentality, how he got through some things the last couple of weeks before the World Cup, and now, whatever, four or five chapters into the book, I'm less convinced that it was, you know, year seven and him and an issue and all that. I just think it's shit that clubs go through and you just kind of have some moments and some ups and downs. And we're all waiting for the moment that City has that for maybe a couple of years. <laughs> um, I mean, Arsenal definitely did, right? Yeah. And now they're finding their way out of it. I mean, Spurs, Spurs had it too at, yeah, at the end so. of Pochettino, which, you know, a lot of times it's not, not uh, recycling a little bit of the squad, mm-hmm. getting enough fresh, fresh freshness over so many years and yeah. so I, I think definitely think Liverpool's experiencing a little bit of that yeah. and also sometimes sometimes like things just don't work yeah. when, when they previously did and and I, I think sometimes we, we always try to find as supporters or fans or whatever we try to find explanations for every single little thing and sometimes like you know human beings are are, are human human yeah yeah yeah, so hopefully the World Cup break helps us a little bit. Obviously, we got a handful of guys playing there, but you know, all in all, I think we'll navigate through the Champions League and see what can happen <laughs> in the league table. Yeah, do you think they're actually for sale? I have not read enough on it to know. Um, I don't. What I don't like is, and maybe it's true. And if it is true, then I guess I should be upset. But everybody's saying. Oh, it's a coincidence. The two clubs that won in the Super League are now both for sale. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't know that that's really... I don't think Liverpool got into this, or the Fenway group got into this years ago with an agenda of getting a Super League where they never had to worry about... I think they get into it because it was fun. It was a challenge. Yeah. Also financially. I mean, look, if they sell it for the numbers that are being thrown around, that's... They make a bunch of money. That's good business. And and maybe they're just getting out now because... The Super League's not going to happen, so maybe maybe it's time for them. Or I mean, like think about it. Like they're not the only two clubs for sale. No, like, but I don't think that Spurs, was their... Spurs have been like low key for sale for mm-hmm. you know two years or something. Turns like out no that. one wants to buy them. Yeah, it's a little, a little annoying. Well, actually, it's not that annoying. I'm okay with the direction it's still going, even though it's kind of like this weird unknown. Also, Man United has been sucked up, sucked like dry of every bit of blood or money they've. You know, had so. nothing left. Yeah, so like that one just that, that a one just sense. a slight glaze on top is all that left. Glazer, at least. <laughs> Breezy's right now is looking for the uh, wah, wah, wah sound. There it is. That one. Yeah, that was good. Jeremy, what is your off-season drink of choice so far? Um, I've cut down on that a little bit. So look at you. Yeah. Uh, still. Good, you know, good Oktoberfest moving into the winter months here. As my wife likes to say, oh, winter's cute in Chattanooga. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not like the Midwest. Oh, yeah. It's, where it's just yeah. miserable. Yeah. How, how uh, was your first winter here or second winter here, I guess, last year? Like, how, how have you adjusted to like, oh, yeah. Do you, ha- do you hate it because there's no, no snow? No, no, I love it. 
Hell yeah. Love it. Yeah. I mean, from Labor Day, <laughs> Labor Day till Thanksgiving is the best time of year. Yes. It's so it's good. So it's perfect. You can leave the door open. Mm-hmm. It need, it sometimes needs to be. It makes up for the summer, like which is kind of gross. Yeah. It sometimes needs to be like 10 degrees cooler because sometimes it just goes through like those phases where it gets a little bit too hot. No. Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, I left it. I left my back door legitimately open the last six weeks for like 75% of the day. For 75% of the days. Nice. Uh, like I think that it's it's what makes it like here's a good place to live in general, but it's the weeks in the spring and the weeks in the fall where it's just perfect. Yep. Yeah. So absolutely beautiful. No, so it's uh we'll switch to bourbon at some point. Yep. Yeah. Not quite cold enough yet for that. So bourbon neat? Mainly. Sometimes a little bit of ginger ale, but mainly just neat, yeah. That is such a hack. When you put ginger ale in it, it like it just turns like Ginger ale and bourbon are perfect together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you, I don't put bourbon in my or ginger ale in my bourbon very much because then it's too good. And <laughs> that's the other problem. You'll want to have too much of you, it. You drink, I, I drink it too fast. I drink it too I drink too much yeah. of it. Like yeah. I actually I really like having like just ice and a little bit of bourbon because I just don't drink it that fast. Yeah. It's just like I mean like it's it's tasty. I enjoy the like I enjoy the taste of bourbon, but not as much of like as like some other things, so you just naturally regulate like regulates myself a little bit. Hell yeah, Matthew, you want to go into the next? Uh... Well, I was just I was just thinking, uh, one of the biggest pieces of news that has happened since we've had you on the podcast forever ago was Volkswagen returning as uh, kind of primary presenting sponsor uh, in in front of the jersey kits, the jersey kits, jersey kits. That's wow, that's bad. Good job, buddy. Uh, in front of front of the kits. Uh, we call them jerseys in America. What's the uh, what's the impact of, of of that, Ben? You know, I think it was a. I think there was shout right, out Madison. Yeah, shout out Madison. That's for sure. Um, and shout out many others too. But yeah, we'll just we'll stick with Madison on that <laughs> one for sure. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit of a of a sign, you know, to people that this project of going pro. Because I do think there were some people like, oh well, you know, they're because CFC went pro, they didn't want to be a part of it, or what happened, and we won't get into you know all that. But I think the big thing is that I think it was a sign that you know uh, we were we were valued as a club, and really because of how they went about the partnership this year. I mean, I don't know if the fans necessarily saw it as much. I hope they did, um, but obviously to tie in with Wolfsburg and, and VW and everything really showed more this year, I think, than any other year. You know, the clinic that they brought in, you know, Deuce and, and Lynn Williams for, you know, 200 kids got an opportunity to go work with national team players yeah. for free and get tickets to the game. And it was open to, you know, children of VW employees. Uh, and then we kept the rest of it within the CFC family, so to speak. So, you know, our affiliate, North Georgia, uh, soccer, you know, soccer academy, the CFC, the foundation, all the different community partners that Chris Ray works with. I mean, all those kids had a chance to get registered, and we, and we maxed it out. And then it looked like you know VW had taken over Finley for the day. Yeah, and, it, and they they some of the commercials that they're running uh, in conjunction with the World Cup were filmed at Finley, and some of our players are in those commercials. So, and they really this whole electrify soccer, the home of the ID four. Yeah, that was a big thing for them, and they chose CFC to be that you know torchbearer, that message carrier. Of that, you know, of the everything that's going on with with, uh, with the EV push here, 
with Volkswagen. So it's been it's been huge, and it's I think for the first time it's been really a true partnership. Yeah, look, it was always great to have VW in the front of the jerseys. I think it you know brought a lot of um, eyeballs to the club and a lot of things. But what you really that's why we call them partnerships and not sponsorships because we really want a partner, somebody that's going to allow us to open more doors, somebody that's going to allow. Um, us to to do new things and vice versa, and I think so. We really saw that with them this year, but you know the jersey, the kit, whatever you want to call it, looks great with that on it. Um, you know, and we're we're thankful to have them back and looking forward to the future. So I think it was a good, it was a shot in the arm. Yeah, and I think it was at a time where you know new coach coming in, women's team coming back. Um, you know, this unknown of some things going into whatever year three it was of, of pro, I think, 2020, yeah, third year, mm-hmm. you know, what does that look like? And so to get a little bit of momentum, a little shot in the arm from from having VW as a, as a real partner, I think was massive. Yeah. I love it. I was so, I was yeah, definitely glad to have them back. Just aesthetically, like I liked, I liked Louisiana Hot Sauce. I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did for the the non-symmetrical logo, but just like there's nothing more iconic with soccer in this country and with the history of CFC than than VW. Yeah, true. Let's move. Uh, let's move on to like some kind of more specific 2022 CFC related questions, and uh, we'll give you we'll give you kind of a general one. How would you rate CFC 2022? Uh, from a holistic perspective, like one to 10, maybe, maybe use letters like A to F if you want to. Um, if you use, if you use numbers, 10 being the like the best it could ever be. That includes men's team on the field, women's team on the field, men's and women's teams off the field, partnerships, tickets, all the things. So I want to stick with letter grades because education major, that makes more sense in my math <laughs> abilities. <laughs> So I would say overall for everything, I would give us a solid B. Not quite a B plus, but just a good, solid, heavy B. Okay. Yep. Why? I think uh, for a lot of the reasons we've talked about so far, we brought the women's team back. We showed that you can um, treat those athletes the right way and do things the right way while at the same time having you know a, a men's team there. And that was a question you know that people had is, you know, what was it going to look like? How is it going to be done? So... That's part of it. If you look at the crowds, you know we finished fourth in attendance across all Division Three mm-hmm. professional clubs, uh, regardless of the league. We had hoped to be in the top three, but a couple people outperformed us that we weren't banking on. So trust me, we're learning from some things they did and making some changes heading into twenty three on that side. Partnerships were amazing. Um, you know, we really raised the level of engagement with our partners and some of the things that we're able to do, from giveaways to you know the fireworks that people, you know, some of our partners, you know, presented and and helped put on put on. Um, so all the off the field stuff, you know, w- was definitely a, a solid B. And I say on the field too. I mean, you know, we had some great streaks where we won a bunch of games on the men's side. Um, obviously, the women's team had a few more struggles on on that side. So that evens it out a little bit. I don't think the men's team was was an A in terms of on the field. I would say they were a solid B too. So I would just. Um, you know, put everything together, throw it in the mixing bowl, mesh it up, and I think a, a good salad B comes out. Yeah. Okay. What are the? Uh, I'm I'm going off script here, breezy. Uh, so don't be looking at the thing. What are What are some of the most immediate things that you think? Uh, let's say, like, if we did everything the same in 2023, and that was also a B. What are some of the immediate things that we can do 
to turn that B into a B plus or an A minus. So what changes do we need to make? Yeah. Um, Slash, what changes are we making? Because it's the off season. Now's the time to do oh, it. Oh, now, now we're getting leading questions. Here we go. <laughs> this is where Jeremy says, can't t- tell you, can't say anything. <laughs> so that was a, le- you know, if you ever heard the press leading says the leading, witness. leading questions, this is definitely leading the witness. Um, things that we need to improve on is, look, it's no uh, no surprise that we got a little bit of a late start, you know, on, on the women's side. So we need to get ahead of that. The roster build, I think um, we've proven ourselves that this is a good place to play and a good environment to play mm-hmm. for the women's team. So um, being ahead of the game there a little bit is absolutely something from a recruitment. And that takes nothing away from the players that were here this summer. We had some great players and great people, um, but improving off of that. And you could say the same thing on the on the men's side. I know I listened to the when Rod was on here, we had some guys playing out of position and you know there's some areas that we need to have a better focus on in our recruitment. And I think the technical staff will definitely do that. Um, you know, having maybe uh, you know, some focus in some areas that they want to improve on. So I think that's definitely something. So I would say those two on the player personnel front, on the off the field stuff, we tried some things this year. Some of them worked and some of them you know, uh, didn't, you know, so we've got to work a little bit on some of those if we decide to do, and I know it's the four letter word in the room, but if we decide to do another double header, uh, <laughs> what does that look like? And, um, you know, how do you set up the times? How do we set up some maybe activation where we have the ability for people to come in and come out, Yeah, you know, reentry, some of those things, or maybe it's just something we stay away from. And, you know, so I think we, this podcast stands staying away from a double header or you only get one. The number is one or zero. Yes. Well, we only did one this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm not and like, no. but it, it was brutal. Oh, there's no chance we would do more than one. I can promise. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. And you said, uh, to your credit, you said on that last podcast that I listened to, like that you didn't want to do right. many of them. Because some people really liked them, but in general, I mean, they're just. I, I think what it, it took it took some. I mean, like I had, t- I know two people that one who one who can't miss like three straight weeks after that, and one didn't come back for like th- four months. And was like, just I just like it was too much. I got too tired, and then other stuff got it. You know, they were just like they're basically like I got you know whatever. I, I wonder. I wonder a lot if if the doubleheader concept is is a great theory, and maybe makes more sense if we were playing games in say March or or like an October or something like that. But like we're not like we're, like that doubleheader occurred in on, on what June eleven. Yeah, you know, it was a hundred degrees or something stupid. And and I wonder, oh, so did you look at the poster right up on the wall above his head to find out the date that it happened? Or did you actually remember it was June 11? I remembered it was June 11. That was that was. <laughs> I remember too. So. Yeah, I, I did not. It's, but it's hard. It's hard. To, it's hard to forget. Like yeah. it, it was, but like so many, and I wasn't even there. But so many people said it was just brutal from from supporters. Well, I was staff. I was an idiot, and I got there at 10 in the morning, and I started drinking and cooking, and. uh I, my whoop said my heart rate was over 150 for like eight hours. <laughs> uh, that's not good. No, it's not that's a good. That's, that's a pretty good workout, I mean, but probably pretty, not a great one. I was pretty tired for like five days. Yeah. Um. No, I I think that. So I don't know what it looks like, and you guys have probably have some data like who it looks like who came to their first men's game that game or who came to their first and only women's game that week, right? Like, there, there. I'm not against doing one double header if the juice is worth the squeeze. I'm just skeptical the juice is worth the squeeze. I would tend to agree. Yeah, I would tend to agree. So we're gonna we'll look at that. And like I said, we tried some things, you know, with some of the 
game activations. We utilized the pavilion for the first time as a club in a long time this year. So we did had a backyard game night. It was really well attended. We did some uh, had some cornhole tournaments and different things in there before the game. And so we tried a few things, but I think just overall, Rod talks about it all the time. So I want to steal it from him. Little little gains and little changes, you know, all added up can make to really you know big momentum and big movement forward in your overall performance. So I don't think there's you know, our ticketing system, knock on wood, was better this year. I think we had people that were able to utilize it. It was a lot better. Much easier. Yeah. Um, you know, so if we can, and we made some little strides there, so if we can do that again, you know, Sam Click has already made a few changes heading into the annual pass renewals that I think will make the ticketing even a little bit better there. So just, it's a lot of little things. It's not anything massive that we need to change to get to a B plus or an A minus. Um, it's just a lot of little things that I think, all added up and added together will, um, you know, allow that grade to be a little bit better. How did you feel about men's attendance? You said you were a little disappointed in women's attendance this year overall. How did you feel about men's home attendance? I thought it was decent. It was a good, you know, it was a good um, kind of kick, you know, kick in the pants a little bit, to be honest. I mean, I think we got some some good crowds. We had some, the ones that we did some different things for really promoted and, and went well. Um, the other thing is that we proved with some, um, you know, some weeknights, uh, weeknight games that we can get some things um, out. The other part is we put a big emphasis on our premium hospitality areas and our groups. I noticed some of those were like packed full. Yep, yeah, yeah, really, really well. And how, I think, how do those work? How do they or how did they? How, well, both, but how do they work? So does like a company just come in and buy mm-hmm. out 500 seats? Like how does it work? Yeah, so there's a, a variety of ways that we did it for the, you know, Coca-Cola pitch side experience, which people love being right there in the field. I mean, the comments we got were, had no idea these guys were so fast, so athletic, so big. Um, man, we were shit-talking that guy from this team, and he turned and laughed <laughs> at us. I mean, I think people just loved it, right? Yeah, and It yeah, was yeah. fun. So I think it was a great spot to be and, and, and a lot of fun. And so we did a mixture of things there. A lot of those were companies or groups. You know, we had a, um, uh, a bachelor party. We had a birthday party. We had businesses, employee, you know, just, um, you know, thank you nights or whatever, employee appreciation nights, bringing people out. Up on the Bud Light Plaza, we had massive groups. I mean, U.S. Express, uh, Colonial Chemical, I'm going to miss a few other, but we had a lot of good groups up there. Uh, our Skybox that we partnership with on um, with the uh, Mock Sports Properties, we use that to entertain some of our corporate partners and some of our staff and just different things. We did some giveaways and enter to win. So like this coming weekend, Maine by 24, we'll be handing out stickers and cards and people can enter to win. And one of the things they can enter to win is a night for them and, you know, 10 friends to come and enjoy a game, you know, the premium hospitality side for CFC. So a lot of different ways we fill those and it takes a lot of different ways. Um, but coming out of the pandemic, we felt this was a really good opportunity. There's no secret. There's going to be a nice, bright, shiny new stadium down on Broad Street for the lookouts in a couple of years. That's going to have unbelievable hospitality areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also knew coming out of the pandemic that there was this hunger for people to get together and hang out. And you know, people have been working remotely or hybrid or whatever. And so we knew companies were going to want to reward their employees and, and their customers and everything. So put a lot of focus on that and did some great things and we're going to upgrade and make some even more changes getting into 23. Nice. Beautiful. Uh, if I could, um, we rate it. So we rated the overall as a B and what I want to do is break out. Um, how would you rate the men's season 
on on the letter grade system and then how would you rate the women's season on the on the field yeah on on the field uh, yeah i think the men's team is still a solid b and the men for reference for anyone who can't remember are 16 8 and 5 and we included the valley, valley united draw and the atlanta united loss and the memphis win and the club de leon win in those um, because valley united happened no matter what nisa says um <laughs> and then the women's uh season finished 1 1 and 7 yeah, I think the men's team is a solid B. I think we gave up too many goals, um, specifically in certain ways and certain times. We also had a great run where we just could not do anything but win and yeah. score goals. Yeah. And then we had a run where we couldn't really do anything. I mean, if you look at whatever month that was. I've, August. I've erased it from my memory. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think it's harder. It'd be hard to to go much higher than a B Yeah. on them. Um and then on the women's team, I think, considering everything, it's a solid C. I don't know if it's a C minus. I'm not sure it's a C plus. Again, I think it's just a, a good solid C. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like we we've talked at length on this podcast about, um, about knowing can and and considering all of the circumstances related to the women's team getting a slower start. Um, you know the the couple of the couple of coaches that we you know we almost had and then and then. You know they had to withdraw or whatever kind of stuff had happened, and you know I think I you know I, I think Breezy came came to the point begrudgingly, uh, and, and begrudging may be generous for actually what happened. But I I think I've always been a big believer in like you know let's get the off the field stuff for the women's team right immediately. And yes, results weren't there, but it's about being back. It's about doing it right. And then I will start to me personally. I will start to care about results. In the same way I do the men's team, I will start to care about results in twenty twenty three. Is that is, is 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 my philosophy for the women's team something that you kind of subscribe to as well, or do you look at it a little bit differently as as an executive? Or I would say it's similar. I think the big question is going to be the difference in terms of the number of athletes that are willing slash wanting to play. Um, away from away from college, away from home, in the summer months, what does that look like uh, in the WPSL compared to what it was like in the, in the MPSL and and other you know other leagues that are out there? So we know, and I think it's changing. I, I do think it's changing, especially you know as the women's professional game continues to evolve and grow, and more clubs are coming in, and potentially, and I hope we don't go into this later, but potentially other leagues coming in on the professional women's side, which needs to happen and I hope happens, um, that I think you're going to see a change where there's more athletes that are willing to put themselves outside of their comfort zone uh, to go play in the summer months. So one of the things that we're going through right now is identifying and looking at all the rosters of the WPSL teams that we would consider being a success on the field. and Like Nashville, for example. Yeah, and where are the majority of their athletes coming from? Are they, you know, are they getting them local? Are they getting them from NCAA Division I schools? Is it a mixture? Because if you look, you know, CFC as an amateur men's club was able to make a living on finding guys that not a lot of people knew about. Yeah. And they didn't go raid the ACC and the Big Ten for players. You know, they found them other ways and other programs and P- had great... Predominantly su- foreign players yeah, from and had great D2 su- and NAIA schools. And had great success. But following that model on the women's side, I'm not 100% sure that that's going to bring the results on the field that uh, that we would want 
but I don't know that it won't. So I think it's going to be a little bit more trial and error this year, again, on the recruitment side Yeah. for for the staff there. They're going to have to sort through it. But um, I think in general, I would look at it similar to how, to how you have, but I think all in all, it's a different, it's a whole different animal than, um, than it is on the men's amateur side. So we got to continue to navigate through that and learn from this past year and and uh, see if we can't grow on it. Okay. Uh, let's ask Let's ask another question. And uh, I think, listeners, you might have heard uh, Mix and Toby screaming at, at, the, uh, at the air for a second there. Yeah, Ella has arrived home. <laughs> um, they should be happy. Yeah, they, obviously. They definitely were. <laughs> uh, what are, so this is kind of a two-part question. What are some goals that the club had for 2022? and achieve them and then conversely what are some goals that the club had for 2022 and then did not achieve and this works for on the field off the field whatever well on the field's the easiest because you want to win a championship and it doesn't matter if you feel you got a late start with the women's team you want to win a championship and it doesn't matter if you had really good roster construction and mainly an injury free season like the men's team you want to win a championship and you didn't so those are always the goals and i think in terms of Specific competitions, Open Cup, you want to be the last team standing in your division. We weren't. Omaha was. Yeah. You know, so credit to them. And so those are easy goals there. And, you know, see if we can achieve those, you know, heading in, into 23. And, you know, and there's different ones that Rod and the team will put together and, you know, little steps to get to the goals, process goals, things like that. But in terms of us in the front office and fans and supporters, right, that's it. I mean, you just said, I, Breezy just said, I want to win. And that was something that we talked about, and, and thankfully we did a lot of that with the men's team this year. We, you know, we did win a lot of games, but in the end we fell short. So, got some work to do there. And then, what was your second part of your question in terms of off? Yeah, like goals it, that didn't were, were there just goals that were on the uh, goals that either were achieved or that we had that we did not achieve? Let's say off the field. Off the field, I think really the only one is, um, and we want to finish in that top three. Of, uh, of the attendance in in Division Three pro soccer, and we didn't. You know, we finished fourth, so that's a little disappointing. And it's easy to look back, and we're a big group that utilizes data for our attendance and you know um, our spends and everything. And you can go back and you can look and see, man, if we would have closed one more group of fifty people for this one, or if we could have got a few more people to come out on a Wednesday night, you know, we would we would have hit that number. So it's good that you can go and look at those because yeah. then it sets you up for next year. So when I met with the ticketing staff two weeks ago and laid out some budget goals and some stretch goals and some things we want to do, it was very good that they now have had a year to look and see, oh, with a little bit more here, we can get to that number. Or a little bit more here, we can get to that number. And, you know, we've got a more experienced staff now than we did last year at this time. I yeah. mean, you know, Sam and Olivia hadn't even joined us yet. You know, they both joined us in January. Obviously, Sam had been there as an intern. Well, and we had lost, and we had lost Case. And we lost moved Case on yep. in March, and we lost him right after the home opener. Um, and shout out to him too, because you know he he came as like, hey man, look, I got this opportunity. Here's what's going to evolve. You know, man, I just don't know if I can say no, but I'm not leaving before the first game. We said we we're going to have a good year off the field. We we're going to we set these marks, and I just want to make sure I'm not going to leave it. So. Credit to him because that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, in terms of those little pieces, you know, I think we wanted to be a little bit. We wanted to expand our reach 
in our branding a little bit. So yeah. the women's crest rolling out and what that turned into was was a we hit that one. You know, Smo and his staff doing some different things on the merch side, being able to do personalization now for jerseys in house, little things like that. So I think we a lot of again, it's a lot of little things. Yeah. Um, and our game production, you know, we wanted to be able to utilize our video board better and do more there for our partners and more engagement. And now we set the bar. There's another step we have to get to because I said it before on, on here is that, you know, when people come to a professional stadium, they have certain expectations. And, you know, we have to make sure, even though CFC has this great history and past of being this amateur club, you know, now that we're a professional club, this is the first time that somebody who's lived in Chattanooga their whole life they never came to a game because we weren't quote unquote pro and now they come to one and they have expectations. So we have to match those and we have to meet those expectations and I think we've done a good job of it. Um, but now we have to take it to another step and that's just one example. And our partnership with Finley stadium is a big piece of that and what people think and, and how they view a stadium and, and, um, yeah. So I think all in all, you know, those are some things. So there wasn't really anything that we missed on just the attendance piece you know, and a few other little things here and there, but for the most part, it was all right. Love it. What are you ex- most excited when we, when we talk about looking forward towards 2023? What's the thing you're most excited for? Having a full year of a quote-unquote normal season, seasons. You know, in 21, if you remember, we started with the Legends Cup, which is crazy, right? Because you talk about um, you talk about the doubleheader and how tired people were. I mean, our staff was fried after that yeah. thing. And I'm glad we did it because it was great. I think we were the right venue to do it. I think we put on a good show. I think we took care of the teams that were here. Honestly, it helped us with the recruiting in 22 because everybody had been in Chattanooga for an extended amount of time. Yeah. So people realized they either liked it or they didn't. And we had some players like, yeah, I was there for 10 days. I'm good. No, thanks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we had other players who were like, uh, I can play there. Sure. Where do I sign? I want to know. I want to. You're not going to tell me this, but I want to know names of those players so that if we ever play them again, I can tell them they were wrong and bad, and they should feel <laughs> bad about it, and that they suck. That's yeah, fuck them. Yeah. So <laughs> that's one way to look at it. Um, you know, so that was. And but we also during that time we had both sides of the stadium open, right? Because we had social distancing at that time, still mm-hmm. in April, and then we kind of started to get out of it, and then boom, we get smacked with Labor Day. I mean, 2021, one of our lowest crowds is Labor Day weekend at home against Detroit City. You know, so you're thinking that should be, you know, obviously they they beat us in Legends Cup. You would think people would show up. It'd be a good crowd. Nobody from Detroit traveled. I mean, maybe five people. It was like four or five. You know, and that was a a four-day weekend or a three-day weekend, whatever those are called, you know, where you get an extra day off. Um, So I was thinking, okay, but then that was right about the same time, too, where... Delta. You know, where everything had spiked up. So not having any of those things in 22 and being able to take the information and say, okay, first three months, here's what um, a game day looked like. Second three months, here's what a game day looked like. Third three months, here's what a game day looked like. And taking that information and using it in our planning, that's what I'm really excited about. And then also for the coaching staff to be able to do that same thing, look and say, okay, here's our body of work, you know, for a full year, wasn't interrupted, you know, like the year before in some town, Chris wasn't with Rod the first half of the year. Yeah. They were interrupted. I think their players moved houses nine <laughs> nine times, maybe. I think they had to move every two weeks, whatever that was like. But so for them as a coaching staff, they yeah. had a full a full year of their system, their model, and it's always tweaking and changing. So now on the business side and the soccer side, we have a full year with no interruptions, no weirdness, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. And now we can use that to really give us a 
good opportunity to maintain this momentum going into 23. That is well answered, Jeremy. You were really getting in the swing of things. Uh, when will we get a schedule release for Nissan and the WPSL? Well, it's officially a podcast now, right? Because that's <laughs> that's the question in November, December, January. Everybody wants to know. God, hope we're not talking about this in January. Um, <laughs> you think either one of those? Um, On, honestly, honestly, filled with chickens running around are going to have schedules done by January. The, the three of us have been in Nisa by long enough. Of, by the end of January, I, I hope. I hope we have a schedule in January. I hope we have a schedule <laughs> for either league. Sorry, that might be a little too dark. Uh, <laughs> we won't have it for WPSL because their AGM is first weekend in February. Do you have any like ballpark estimations, like middle of January and then like middle of February? Um, I mean, WPSL is pretty buttoned up. So at the AGM, when we get that schedule, it'll be right there in front of us. Like, here's the schedule. You have, you know, because you walk out of that meeting with the schedule made, then you have two weeks for whatever it is for changes. After that, you can't make changes, and this is when this conference releases. This is when this conference. So it'll we'll know for sure. It'd be I would imagine pretty similar to what it was this past year, whenever that was April. Does that sound right? For the release, yeah, for the release, yeah. I mean, it always it felt late for. I mean, it had been a few years since we had been in, in a in a conference with uh with an amateur league because it feels like sometimes the MPSL would put things out like early March. Um. Uh, yeah, maybe it was maybe it was March or April when we found out. I, I, I mean, it took a while for us. I, I feel like, but that's just. I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah. I'll settle for the men's schedule though coming out before, um, uh, before the the end of January. It was considering uh, that's kind of the deadline. It was the middle of March last year for the WPSL. Middle of March. Three, yeah. three sixteen. That's not bad. So I can imagine that'll be very similar. Um, that's way better than an MPSL. <laughs> it's way better than NISA. Who? <laughs> oh no! Uh, I think we get Nisa schedule around the same time. Oh, probably. Uh, here's the hoping. Uh, two new. Speaking of Nisa scheduling, and there's two new expansion teams. Three. The only two I care about are in are actually somewhere within driving distance of us. Fair, fair point. Which is the first time I've been excited about Nisa expansion ever. Um, Savannah, which I hear nothing but good things, and we've made the road trip there once before in a stadium that had nobody except for a guy that wanted to fight me and the same team, not the same team, but like the same like idea. So I have a rough idea that that's going to be solid, but a uh, club de Leon and Savannah, how excited are you to schedule bus trips? <laughs> they don't require a sleeper bus. That's yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, two good, uh, two good groups. Obviously we got a chance to play club de Leon in the independent cup and they were professional and all the operational stuff leading up to it, just how they handled it, everything that way. Big praise for our game day experience and everything that went on that day. So they said that was a big turning point for their decision was like, look, if we're going to be in this league, this is the bar that we want to go try to be, which was nice to hear. So that was um, a positive instead of just, you know, what's the bare minimum to be in this thing? Like they want to be a CFC, you know, game day, match day experience. So that's huge. Um, and they asked some very good questions along the way. So high hopes for them in terms of what that looks like. And as you said, pretty close, you know, not too far to get to. And, and hopefully another, you know, another good opportunity there for, for people to go and, and travel um, and see that. And then Savannah, yeah, obviously club with history with us in terms of the Independent Cup. 
and just people that are there that we've been, you know, connected with in a variety of ways. Um, really impressed with their leadership, and they've been just you know in front. They made the decision too, which I thought was a really really smart decision, not to play any soccer this year. They played none, and yeah. people were like, "Well, how come you didn't do this?" And he goes, "No, we." And I think in their market, it was very smart not to confuse the marketplace with we've had this thing and here's what it's been, and then oh by the way now we're going pro and and just keep rolling. So I think they did a clean stop. Yeah, but they've been doing World Cup watch parties. They've had their you know, meet and greet. With they their, they just with put their out coach season and, ticket deposits. I saw an yep. email from them. Yeah. So I think um, you're on their email list. I bought a scarf from them in like 2000 and maybe 17 or 18. So I occasionally get emails from them. I still get spam from Detroit City. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> They're also hosting World Cup watch parties. And the unsubscribe button. To, I also get unsolicited USL stuff because they definitely share your information. Oh, yeah, that's how USL has my email address. Yeah, because you've purchased tickets at Oh, you've purchased tickets at Detroit City. Em. And you purchased them before they were a USL team, which is extra just That is gross. Yeah. Maybe it's Great Park. <laughs> All right, we won't go there. That's a whole nother That's a whole nother podcast. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um I was I was looking to see I was going to check how I was googling in there for a minute to f- figure if I could see exactly how far it is to drive to their stadium. I think it's like 8 hours. It's 8. Yep. Yeah, which yeah. is very doable. very doable. Chance to go see former uh, Chattanooga FC player Felipe Oliveira, who lives not that far from Orlando, um, and also a chance to maybe hit the beach. There Disney. You yeah. You know, a lot of things. We could do. Uh, Please tell me you're going to fight do, we for could, us to get Savannah and uh, and Club de Leon on w- at least one of the two on a weekend. On weekends, yeah. Both Preferably both, but like at least one of the two on a weekend. It make too much sense. We need we need them on weekend, both of them on different weekends. It's the chance of them to set their attendance records. We've both also we've also got to do Epcot before the uh, or after the Club de Leon game. You want to drink around the world? Yeah, man. We're gonna need two extra days <laughs> there to recover. We'll just need one day. It'll be fine. We're gonna go full. Is it was it Carly Lloyd that got tossed out of there? <laughs> I think it was. Uh, I think it was Alex Morgan. And, oh, and, I'm Alex Morgan. And, uh, oh, jeez. And, yeah. um, and her husband, yeah. Yeah. Got, got tossed out of there too drunk. <laughs> I did it last year. It was fine. You got kicked out last year? No, I, oh, I, I did okay. it around the world last oh, year. I was, I was more excited when I thought he got kicked out. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and then, I would, and then while it's not drivable, I would say the, the Gold Star Group out of Detroit has been really, really good in terms of their prep work. Um, they have some exciting things. They just announced stadium piece last week, which I know anytime somebody announces a mm-hmm. stadium, skeptics and whatever, but... You know, look, they're 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 doing their work ahead of time to be ready. So they had their COO, uh, Kim. She was down for the playoff game. Was down for two days ahead of time. You know, meeting with our staff, taking notes, doing things. And these are things that I'm not going to say anything about some of the previous expansion clubs that are no longer with us. I was just about to ask, actually. But, but none of them, none of them have done that. And so that was a big thing in St. Louis that we did leading up was we went and visited places, you know, um, and really learned a lot and, you know, figured out some things to do and not to do. So to have Detroit, Savannah, and uh, Club de Leon all be that involved and wanting to know things and asking questions and, hey, can we talk to this person, your staff? Of course. Can we meet with this person? Of course. That's been a little bit of breath of of fresh air for sure. And and definitely a departure from the previous, um, some of those previous clubs. That may or may not still be around. Yeah, definitely different. Definitely. Has there been any, without going into like internal 
league discussions because I don't really want to go there because I'll start using fuck a lot. Uh, has there been any any like real difference in like the the kind of groups that that we're trying to trying to attract to the league, or is it just like some increased vetting, or like what is? What are you asking? What's going to keep us from having other Bay Cities and uh, Valley United? Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically. So, so in in general, uh, there was an interview at at the um, at the the NISA Championship. Uh, I guess the the day before the NISA Championship, uh, the commissioner talked a lot about you know some of the struggles that the league had had with with Bay Cities dropping out midseason because they never had any money in the first place. That's my editorial ed- editorializing, and 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 Valley United's issues with violating immigration uh, law and not that I was right about that or anything. I shout out Valley United. That was pretty ballsy. (laughs) Uh, But he talked about like, you know, increased standards and like, you know, all these other things to make sure this never happens again. Have, uh, and and maybe you don't see that because you're not in, you're not in Chicago or San Diego or wherever the hell the other third office is. But like, have you, have you seen, I mean, the gold star Savannah and club de Leon seem different than, than, Maybe take Valley aside, but like the Bay Cities, Syracuse under Samir and uh, and, and and Flower City, is there is there a big difference that you can tell, or is there something going on that we we just don't see, or, or kind of what's 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 the difference here? These groups seem to be a little bit more prepared, um, better leadership in terms of the people that are working with them and leading those projects, and I think these are groups. That um, if you're gonna have a dinner party, imagine a Nisa dinner party. <laughs> Holy! <laughs> Listen, we've we've this had like, one of those in Troy, Michigan. <laughs> well, that was a different story. Um, <laughs> That's a bar party. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you wouldn't give them the you wouldn't give these new groups the wrong address for the dinner party. You'd be like, hey, yeah, here's my house. Come on in. We're gonna have a party. You know, you don't even need to bring a dish. No, we're good. We got you covered. And you would enjoy having them there. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. They seem different. Yes. Okay. And Jeremy was built for answering Matt's questions. <laughs> uh, player announcements for men. Because I'm skipping over that last question that Matthew wrote in the show notes. That's not nice, Matthew. You can't talk about throwing people off bridges. Uh, player announcements for men. Returning players. When might we see uh, ballpark those things start to come out? Uh, here pretty soon. And I know that's a not a date, but that's the the reality is that, you know, because of the World Cup, the season ended earlier. So mm-hmm. you're just now seeing um, other leagues and uh, clubs putting out stuff about their players and such. So we'll follow suit here pretty soon with who's returning, who isn't, who might be all those typical year end type things. Yeah. Um, sooner than later, for sure. Yep. Why do we do them essentially all at the same time? What do you mean? Instead of, and, and not a, like a instead drip, of, drip, drip. Instead of drip, 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 trickle, 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 let somebody get their... So like El, like El Paso and Phoenix have mostly done kind of a drip, drip, drip. Of who's coming back and who's yeah, not? Yeah. Like, like one yeah. at a time, two at a time, that type of thing. Whereas some other clubs like Louisville put out their list of uh, like their all their returners and 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 then nothing nothing related to whoever they had not like already secured. Like it, clubs do it different ways. I'm just, I think we're curious about like why, why we choose the way we do it. You know, I think for us, it's still a learning process for our fans and for our staff, right? That this is in the NPSL days. Well, 
majority of our staff wasn't around, there there were no announcements, right? Hey, season's over. <laughs> we either won or we lost. In that's... oh no, we got we got an announcement when the official roster got released after the first game, right? So, <laughs> or 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 as like three days until the first game. Yeah. So there's no trickery or um, I don't know. There is strategy behind it. I would say with the signings, you always and you know, there's been you know guys that are signed on the same day and one will get announced and. Next one won't get announced for ten days, you know, because you, you when somebody comes, you want to kind of give them their moment, give yeah, fans yeah. the opportunity to reach out to them. When it comes to the closure of a roster, sometimes it can be just better when it's all done at once in terms of that. So, and every every contract situation is different too because you have options. You have you know guys that don't have options, guys that are free agents that you know we're speaking with, and you know some that are free agents that we're not speaking with um, from from this past season. So. It's just a different different way to look at it in each club. And I think for us, you know, I think the one thing that this supporter base does a really good job is welcoming people and then also thanking them. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's something that we need to look at is, you know, spacing out the thank yous as opposed to, you know, all at once. But um, just never considered it because I honestly hadn't seen any clubs that have kind of dripped out, you know, their end of season, you know, roster stuff. I just haven't seen any of those. I feel like most of the ones that I've seen, the departures are all together, mm-hmm. and the returners have been, um, the returners like Memphis has done the returners spaced out. Um, I mean, I, I think I think they've, you know, it was it was a very public thing. Well, number one, it was a very public thing that did they have a returning coach yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a very public thing that like you know, it was very obvious with their first player they brought back. They exercised his contract option. They were very clear about that. And it was the sporting director or something talking about the signing, and not the, the their head coach who had not yet announced that they had not announced that he was going to Charleston. Um, and I think they were one of they were one of the few ones to really truly space those out, which I, is which is a massive departure for them because right. they used to not have any signings until like March. My gut is that the it's my gut, so I could be completely wrong. But the clubs that are spacing out those things are players that they're either redoing the deals with and not necessarily just directly picking up their options or guys that were they didn't have an option on, but the player wanted to come back, the club wanted them to come back. It just took time to work it out. So you don't want to delay all of the information, you know, when it comes that way. So that could be why. Well, I also think it's just fun for players to be able to get and for fans to be able to get like if six people get announced at once, and obviously, like it usually, it's the returners, and then like it does get, it does become one one of the time. But if you bring back, if Marcus comes back, for example, and you announce Marcus by himself, then everybody gets to celebrate the golden ball guy coming back, right? right. And the golden ball guy doesn't overshadow if Tate comes back and Tate's the right back, and the right back doesn't get as much love because that's how like people that score goals get more love, right? Like maybe they get less interactions, but if they're spread out, they maybe they get more interactions because it's you get your day in the sun type of right. thing. Yep. I don't know, just a just a thought um open tryouts happening oh, for always for men's and women's team always yep beautiful uh any idea on when those might happen the men's will be mid-january I haven't finalized the date 100 percent because there's a few other things in work that may push up our start date so we may be starting preseason a little bit earlier than we had originally thought which if that comes to fruition i think will be a fun thing and a good thing uh, we can talk about that later on further episodes or somebody <laughs> else can talk about it. Um, but yeah, mid-January and then the women's team, those open tryouts are tentatively scheduled for 
um, similar mid-February, early February. Um, when it comes to college players, when they are on a published break, it allows them to go um, on trials. So if okay. if it's a you know um, a President's Day, President's Day weekend, there's no school. You know Friday once class is out, they don't come back until Tuesday. Then they can go to trials and do things that way on the weekend. So and for listeners, that's significantly earlier than the open routes we had. Yes, previously for the women's team, very much so. Which kind of leads into you know some of the changes and some of the you know, you talked about areas that we want to improve on is, you know, one of the things, and again, these are always difficult to make happen because you're not necessarily in control, but, you know, could we do what we used to do on the men's amateur side and have, you know, a significant club country, somebody come in and play us in a pre preseason match. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that the women's team staff really wanted to do is try to utilize an opportunity to bring in some players to look at, but then also try to find, uh, and again, it's just more difficult because there's not as many, you know, pro women's teams, right. you know, to come in. I mean, there's yeah. only X amount in the NWSL and majority of them are not going to play on turf, um, you know, so it's a, a challenge. But there could be maybe a small CONCACAF country who's U23s or their full national team, you know, is looking for, you know, opportunity for a game and, you know, may want to come to Chattanooga and that could be a great opportunity for us. You know, so those are some things we're working on so that earlier trial date in February could maybe flow into something else for the women's team in March, April-ish. We're, yeah. we're working on that, and we'll see how that comes together. Any chance we get a, I think that was white versus blue, uh, or light blue versus dark blue, I don't remember, but they basically split out in an intra-squad scrimmage back in the MPSL days that was open to fans? You could do that for the men's or the women's team, but a, basically a preseason We game. We kind of stopped doing it once we started getting actual, like, Real friendlies and competition, but, but uh, like often in those very very early days, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, there would there would be some sort of like blue versus white. There was later than that, but yeah. On the women's side, yeah, probably on the men's side, doubtful. But it it also depend on the earlier start. If we start preseason earlier than we were anticipating because of an opportunity to to get a you know a good match in place, then maybe that could happen. Um, it's been kicked around a little bit, but the biggest thing is you really want your team to be, and I think we've done a good job of this even going back to 2020, is be as prepared as you can for that first match. And I think if you look at our starts, now granted we stumbled and tied you know, Bobcats at home this year, but I think I have my own reason why that happened. I'm happy to tell you later. Darwin Espinal? Darwin Espinal <laughs> doing Darwin Espinal shit? <laughs> no, I think the majority of our guys have never played in front of more than 50 people and they're crapping themselves. <laughs> And then Darwin Espinel did Dar- Darwin Espinel. Oh, shit, yeah. it fits. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> hey, but another reason to have a uh, preseason open game at home. Yeah. So getting, you know, giving the opportunity, um, you know, for, for good quality matches. And we're fortunate where, where we're located. We can pick up great matches. And, yeah. And, you know, so that's a big plus for us and something that we need to hopefully continue to take advantage of. But um, so we'll see. So I wouldn't rule out a, an inner squad thing for for people to come and see. You know, some ideas have been thrown around that maybe we'll look at. I would also just selfishly love a... So there's not that many women's games in general. The season is short. It's two months. Um, So an extra game. And I know it is really tough sometimes to get enough women's players because of college and their season's running or like not being released or they're still in school or whatever else. And so I would just love an excuse because maybe you can't get the full team there, but I would love an excuse to come out and see them play in the preseason if you can't get regular games, I mean, even an inter-squad scrimmage is awesome, I think. 
Well, and, and, and you can cheer for the you can cheer for the blue team in one half and the white team in the other half, or, you know, or you can, there's or all sorts of fun, stupid stuff you can do. Well, you're assuming that our jerseys are going to be blue and white. <laughs> I was assuming the plastic, the the, the um, practice kits probably were going to be, or the pennies. But <laughs> but I, mean, I, I was just thinking, like you know, you know, oh my God, to, we're do, we're going golden pink. You you don't have to necessarily uh, do like one half or one half. You you could just be a, like consistent, like support of like everybody at once, and just that that exact. Or, or that, no, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. Just it's soccer, like they're draws. They're like just like noise in the drums once before the season starts. For a lot of these players, especially women's players, like you know, you know, on the men's side, like if you, if you come from Nisa, oh, the women's team was not nervous. They loved it. Like in Nashville, <laughs> like when you know they turn around like every game, and then I remember Randy and somebody else is like, oh yeah, and just wait till the home games. There'll be even more of them. Oh wow, the men's teams were the ones that crapped their pants. That was the one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. A lot of those players had like had done this before. They'd played like they'd played in front of us before. They, granted, they were on the other side of the. I mean, we got to start weight of a city on their shoulders, man. All the, all, all this is telling me is we got to start. We got to start like recruiting uh, I mean, like players that aren't soft as Charmin. Like, no, Kevin. I mean, he said it was a theory. He didn't say it was true for sure. Uh, you need to calm down. It's uh, true. Kevin Gonzalez definitely said like, and, and some other players said it too. Like on the podcast, like. The you really feel what it means to like have yes. like a city that like cares, and he's like it's really different, and it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ian Ian Sarah, who he if you think about his experience here, I don't know if he he played a, he played it on a Wednesday night. No, it was the Wednesday was night a, game, Chicago uh, game. Yeah, it was a Wednesday, so you know, and it was yeah nobody there. Trust me, I've seen those numbers. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> It was not a good. It was a, it not was a, a good. Pretty, we, well, we won't talk about the weekday twenty twenty one games. Twenty twenty two weekday games were better, yeah, for sure. And my mentality was better. Shout out to Rich Mazingo from the Lookouts. We went took the staff there in twenty one. Took the interns and staff to a Lookouts game, like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and sitting there and I see him and I wave him down. He comes over and talks and eh, what's going on? And he goes, I go, ah, you know, decent crowd. He goes, it's a weekday. He goes, <laughs> don't get worked up about it. And so like. For me, to my staff was like I, I took that and ran with it. Like yeah. we worked hard to you know push the groups that you know weekday you're gonna we had a networking night, mm-hmm. on a, it was a great turnout and so we're gonna build on that for 23 and we've learned some lessons, but like old Jeremy would have been freaking out on Tuesday before Wednesday game looking at the numbers. It's just it's the reality of it's weekdays. You know I was watching the Blues hockey game there night. I'm like what a crowd for Monday. I'm like. You should have a crowd for Monday. Like, there, people should want to come and watch you play. People's, Old Jeremy came out for a minute. Yes, exactly. It's like, <laughs> CFC should have a big crowd for Wednesday. I mean, it, and that's what sucked this year, the scheduling. Yeah. Our two most important regular season home games were during the week. And that, that sucked. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. And then we had a, almost a month off at the end of the season. So go to war next season for uh, – a few things. I don't think the schedule was that bad for us. But it like, wasn't. No. But those were two things that were tough to yeah. overcome. Yep. How did the Wolfsburg partnership look in 2022? Uh, aside from you know mentioning about like Volkswagen and Wolfsburg and like the the camp with Lynn, um, yeah, Lynn Williams and, and Clint Dempsey. But what are the ways that maybe we're looking if if we are to expand or adjust the partnership in? In 2023. So the partnership is starting to get more real on the technical side of things. So they sent over, we had three coaches come over this year and all of them were fantastic and all of them brought different experiences, actually four, take that back, and and different experiences. Some were just solely involved with the Stronger program, which is a great initiative. Really cool to see that take off and being able to get out to Highland Park. 
commons and seeing that happen. Um, some were involved here for some training. Took one up to a Nashville SC game to see the stadium, and he was blown away. Some of them got to go down to Atlanta and meet with academy staff, um, technical staff down there, and then obviously meet with our staff, with our academy coaches, uh, with Rod and his staff and, and Randy. So it was really beneficial, and it's starting to get real. We're not there yet. You're not going to see three guys getting dropped in on loan or three women getting dropped in on loan deals for the summer. Sorry. Um, this is not going to happen. But we're getting into things where we're talking about being able to take over some of our most talented um, younger academy players to Germany for you know eight to ten days on their spring break this this coming spring. Not sure. Wow. Gonna not sure. It's not done yet. And honestly, when things kind of get slow, and I know this doesn't get put on social media or things like that, but one of the most influential members of the Wolfsburg partnership, he took another position, and not with another club, but he moved on to a different role. So it's kind of hit a little bit of a stall here in the last six weeks. Nobody's fault, but you know we really thought we had that thing over the edge to take some players um, over to Germany for about eight to ten days around their spring break, and we've been really good. They're younger. We're focusing on that eleven to thirteen age group and boys and girls, and we've got some good talented players there. We thought it would be something, but it just kind of stalled out. So hopefully that can still occur. If it doesn't, then I think it can happen in the fall around a fall break or a school break type thing that way. So starting to see some of those things, more sharing of ideas. Some of the things that we looked at on the youth development side and partnerships and how we work with our group down in Fort Payne, how we work with the group in Dalton, uh, Chickamauga, Rock Springs, different groups, how we work with them is a lot has been facilitated through some of the ideas that Wolfsburg brought to us this summer. So again, these aren't sexy, glamorous type things but they're real. And I think there are things that are going to allow this partnership to continue to grow and to, to get somewhere where maybe it is quote unquote, a little bit more glamorous for the public, but behind the scenes, we're excited. Um, anytime somebody goes on a 17 day tour of the United States and spends a half a day with you, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty excited. So one of the guys in the commercial side for Wolfsburg who covers North America, uh, for their commercial partnerships, he was here and he, he was telling us, oh, I was here, 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 took a train, here, 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 flew. I mean, it was like, it was a crazy trip. And here he is sitting in our office for three hours, just brainstorming with Madison and I on ideas, potential partners. Things are changing. Things are learning. How's the World Cup affecting um, stuff that they're doing? So really good, insightful stuff. And again, those don't get the headlines, but they're things that are making this club better. That's an interesting one you mentioned right at the very end there, uh, because every every four years, whether the United States is in the tournament or not, the the men's World Cup seems to have some sort of effect on American soccer in general. And we saw that in CFC's second season, where you know we had gone from fifteen hundred, maybe eighteen hundred, you know, I think maybe grazing two thousand once in that first season to hosting uh, Atlas. And, and having like 6,000 people or, or something insane, you know, for a second year amateur team in the middle of the World Cup, um, be in attendance at a match. How is, how is the World Cup, and maybe we, maybe we don't know the answer to this yet, but how, how does the World Cup impact 2023 for us? And maybe going forward as we head into hosting the World Cup, or in, in, at least in part in 2026? A couple different things. One, we'll see how tomorrow's result goes. Before, <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed to say we're recording on a Monday or whatever, but um, 
Uh, you can you can peek behind the curtain for okay, sure. Okay, good. Um, I, I mean, honestly, the success of the U.S. will have a little bit of an effect on that, right? Yeah. But regardless, there's going to be people in the Chattanooga area that knew about CFC, knew about soccer, but the World Cup is what was their trigger point, right? And something, you know, something, something flipped. And we're going to get some people that are going to come out to matches this year, whether it's a friendly, um, a preseason game, a women's game, a men's game, that are coming out because of the World Cup. It happened at a different time, happened, you know, towards the end of college football, NFL's dying down, whatever. So there, there's going to be some, quote-unquote, casual fans that are going to get hooked. And hopefully, you know, the U.S. can make a run, make a run, and we'll yeah. get even more of those people. But re- regardless, the fact that it's on during a different time of year when – a lot of people are inside and you know people aren't it's not the summertime where people are at the lake and you know jumping on their kayaks and going on vacation they're watching games or people are working remotely watching games and you know so now there's that fever so i think we will see a bump from it i think the the biggest thing is everybody's talking about the lead up to 26 the lead up to 26 the lead up to 26 and i think we'll see some of that too um on the commercial and business side but i definitely think this world cup is not going to hurt CFC in 23. It's going to help. Hell yeah. Uh, that is the last question we have on our list. Good. Is there anything you were hoping? <laughs> Sorry. He goes, that he goes good. Did I say that is, is there anything you wanted to cover that we didn't ask? I know we, by the way, we, if listeners don't know, like we don't give Jeremy any like pre questions. And we, we could, like, if he asked, I guess we could, like, send him the show doc that gets finished about 10 minutes before the yeah, podcast Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't ever know what's coming. So, no, I mean, I think um, I just want to give you know a big thank you, shout out, whatever you want to say to our staff. You know, the and a lot of them are familiar because we are a small staff and we're a family, and that gets overused and used in inappropriate times. But we've had some staff members that have had some challenges this year, and we've been able to support them. Um, our supporters, our partners, our fans have been able to support them. Um, you know, the board has been able to support them. So it's, it's been really good to see that group grow and develop. And I think the success that we're seeing on and off the field is because of them. Um, you know, obviously Chris and, and Rod coming new to the staff and, you know, everything that their families have done to support them and they've done to really, you know, I got an email from, uh, I'll say it, whatever. I got an email from Rod's wife at the end of the season, just how happy she was for him. And I like, I was not expecting to get that email. You know what I mean? It was just like, now the season's over. I have to tell you, you know, how fulfilling this is and, you know, just how much fun he's had and blah, blah, blah. And thank you for making us a part of it when we've been able to come to Chattanooga or travel to California and see the team play. And that was just really cool. So just a big, there's a lot that goes into it. There's, you know, a lot of, you know, just like you mentioned the doubleheader, a long day. You know, there's a, a lot of those for the staff and a lot of them. So just a big thank you to everybody because, you know, the whole key was we wanted to try some things this year, and some of them worked and some of them didn't. didn't. Um, but that was a big thing, um, you know, from the board to me was, hey, let's grow and develop our people. Let's try some things, and, you know, let's make sure we have the data to learn from those things so we just don't go, oh, that didn't work. Let's know why it didn't work, or let's know why it did work so then we can make the decision to repeat it or not repeat it in 23 so yeah, just a big thank you to everybody. I mean, it was a it was a great year, and I think twenty three is a big one for us to maintain this momentum and maintain you know everything that occurred in twenty two and try to build off of it. So no, just a a big thank you to everybody for that. Beautiful. It's a great yeah. way to end. 
Yeah. Matthew, Matthew anything else? Uh, I, I noticed I noticed that we uh, you, you kind of set us up uh, hoping that we were not going to ask. And then we did not ask uh, about like women's pro leagues. Um, and I'm not going to ask you still because that would just be a cruel thing to do. Uh, but Breezy, how many teams are in Whistle right now? Do you know? I'm trying to figure out how to make a, a, a Whistle joke that means zero or one. But uh, Well, that's the answer. It's, it's, just, it's one. just zero or one. And no one's really sure. <laughs> oh, women's professional soccer and men's professional soccer. Please get your country. shit together. Please. All right. We'll end on that. See you, everybody.